Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. God has given us the opportunity to serve the Lord together in these days. I live with a spirit of expectation. You know, if I, if I got my eyes on my burdens, my challenges, I just couldn't do what I'm doing. It's a work of faith, and, and uh, so I choose to just rejoice in the Lord. I choose to take God at His Word and press forward. And, uh, you know, I could, I've been there. I know what it's like to be fretful and aggravated, frustrated. Boy, I've lived that. I know what that's like, but I chose by the grace of God to get beyond that. I had to, or that was going to bury me at some point. And uh, I had to realize that God is faithful and God is good. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes when you're looking at uh, the ill circumstances, the ill winds of life, the ill treatment of others, uh, there's a God who's at work. And uh, we need to trust the Lord. And God sometimes is trying to develop our faith and say, hey, are you going to trust me? Well, a faith that cannot be tried cannot be trusted. And uh, the way you develop your muscles is by stretching them. And so God will stretch the muscle of our faith. And uh, sometimes that's not easy because trust means I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't know what I'm facing. I don't know what will happen. But I am trusting that God knows and that I'm looking to Him and I'm in all my ways acknowledging Him and trusting that He will direct my path. And so I'm very thankful that God gives us that kind of hope and that kind of expectation. David said in the book of Psalms, my expectation is of Him, of the Lord. And so, Lord, I'm just looking to You and trusting that You're with us, that You're for us, you're working on our behalf. Some of the things that we so take for granted, and it's like, well, yeah, the Lord's with us. Sure, uh, sure He is, Pastor. But I'll tell you what, when you really get lonely and you need the Lord's presence, you're going to realize how precious that is. I will never leave thee. Praise God for that. I'm so encouraged and thankful for the Lord's mercies. But I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me back to the book of Nehemiah. And uh, I hope you're being helped through this time. I'm being helped. It's an encouragement to me and to my walk with the Lord. As I go back through this book of the Bible, it's going through my heart and my mind. And God is reminding me of great truths and promises, but also uh, giving me additional insight and understanding. That's the power of God's Word. Charles Spurgeon says the Word of God, it widens and deepens through the years. You can never exhaust it. It's a living book, a life-giving book. That's what the word quicken means. Quicken means to make alive. You ever been reading the Bible? And sometimes you just just reading the Bible, it seems. Uh, nothing much is going on, but then Sometimes you come across a verse and, and it just kind of jumps off the page at you and God uses that to quicken you or speak to you and it says, whoa, wait a minute. I've been reading verses before and I come across it and it's like, I need to read that again. God gets my attention. God speaks to me. There are times when I've had verses almost it seemed jump off the page and slap me upside the head. Anybody else ever face that? And it's like, wow, God is speaking to me. God has a word for me. 
And God wants us to be open to that. That's why when we come and, uh, and the servant of the Lord stands behind a pulpit of wood, you see that pattern here in Nehemiah chapter 8, and then he reads out of the law of God, the Word of God, and, uh, and he helps people understand the meaning thereof, not only what God says, but what it means, but how it applies to your life, then God's people are, are quickened in that moment. It's like, wow, that's the power of God's Word. And so oftentimes I've sat in a church service and I said, Lord, speak to me. As little Samuel prayed, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. God, speak to my heart. There have been times, honestly, I was so weary and, and uh, even uh, discouraged. I think as a younger preacher, some of the things I was facing, just bewildered, like, I didn't know I'd face any of this. And I remember praying one night on Wednesday night prayer meeting in my home church, Lord, uh, I believe everything that he's saying right now, but I don't feel one thing. Please help me not to grieve you. <laughs> help me not to quench you and keep you from speaking to someone else tonight. Help me not to have that kind of uh, response in this service. Because I wonder how many times we come to church and it's like, well, I'm here uh, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing here. don't know if I even want to be here. I'm aggravated, frustrated about something, or something's weighing heavily upon my heart, and it's like everything else is on my mind except what I'm getting ready to hear from God's Word. Even in those moments, God's merciful. Even in those moments, it's like the Lord says, okay, I understand that. Just admit it to yourself and just say, Lord, help me. It's like the dad who prayed, Lord, I believe. Help thou. Mine unbelief. Lord, speak to me. Lord, I know it's not about just some kind of experience. It's about faith, being quickened, made alive, uh, activated in our lives. And uh, so when faith uh, touches the very promise of God in what He's given us in His Word, then that activates the power of God in our lives. God is at work. God is working freely because that's what Paul prayed. And he asked that the fellow brethren would pray for him that the Word of God would have free course, that there would be a liberty, that there would be a reception, that it would accomplish that which God has sent it forth to accomplish. And God wants to do that in our hearts tonight. As we think about Nehemiah chapter 8, we think about this time of rejoicing, this time of generosity, this time of humbling themselves before the Lord. Uh, Nehemiah in verse 9 and Ezra and the Levites, they would take turns reading the Word of God. And then there would be times when they would apply it, they would teach the people and give them the understanding thereof. The initial response in verse 9 was that the people wept. It was a tender time, I'm sure, realizing, recognizing that God had brought them back home and all that God had done so they could be in that moment hearing God's Word once again. But it was also a convicting time. It's like, Lord, we're reminded of why we went into captivity, why it's been so long that we've been able to have the, Your Word read before us in this manner. And, uh, and so they were quickened in their hearts, and the Bible says they wept when they heard the words of the law. See that power of God's Word? Uh, the men could have stood up there and talked all day, but when they heard the words of the Lord, they wept. It tendered their hearts. It touched their hearts. That's what God's Word wants to do to us tonight. Whoever we are, whatever we're facing, whatever trouble or challenge you have, God wants to touch your heart with these things. God wants to speak to you. 
Because at the end of the day, it's not, well, I did my good deed. I went to church on Sunday. No, it's like, what did God give me out of his word that will help me become more like him, more faith-filled and faithful and obedient in these days? Lord, give me something. God wants us to take what he's given us today and not only draw strength from that and have our understanding de developed and deepened as a result of that, but also God wants us to just simply share that with someone else. Are we going to share what we're learning from God's Word with someone else? That's what God wants us to take to heart tonight. And then uh, they were rejoicing here, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a time of uh, celebration. And the Bible talks about how they were generous to the poor, those who didn't have they, out of the blessings of God and even uh, the provision of God in their lives, they sent portions unto them in verse number 10. See, this is the effect of the Word of God. God tenders our heart. It touches our heart. It, it, we're humbled before the Lord, but then it opens our heart to God and others, and we're generous. Isn't that amazing? We're, we're generous. That's the effect of the Word of God. Give me the people of the Lord, and I'll give you some people that don't have to be guilted into giving. They don't have to be somehow uh, coerced into giving. No, they love the Lord. And if they see an opportunity to glorify God or help someone, they've learned that truly you can outgive the Lord. God will bless those who bless His name and bless others in His name. God will do that. And so think about the, the power of God's Word, the effect of God's Word. And you see this as it continues to unfold. And then they transition from this, this uh, tenderness of grief over their sin and then the compassion God touched them to share and with others His blessing upon them. And then they went from sorrow to joy because they were reminded that the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a strength in rejoicing. There's a victory that's there. God is mine and I am His. I am with the Lord and the Lord is with me. And there's much to rejoice in. I'm going to tell you, as you go, some people... Uh, don't have much of an issue with what others think of them. I remember uh, years ago being around some folks, and I, and I know this uh, one fella. It just didn't seem to bother him as much. And I thought, wow, I wish I had more of him in me. And uh, because I, I don't want people to be mad at me. I don't want people to be upset. And I would think most of us are that way, at least to some measure, Right. Who, who wants to go through life with people upset at you? And, uh, and they're always disappointed. They're always grieved. You can never please them. Well, I, I don't want to live in that kind of spirit or that kind of heaviness. But sometimes when you're serving the Lord and doing God's will, you're going to face some of that. You can either give into that and let someone else's spirit dictate to you your spirit, or you can let the Spirit of God dictate to you your spirit. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not only that, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, right? Peace. Think about that. Gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, temperance. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. 
You can let someone else's spirit towards you determine your spirit, or you can let God's spirit, the spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, determine your spirit. What's it going to be? Because there's going to have to be a time when you rise above what others say or think. You can't be a prisoner to that. You can't be beholden to that. You can't be miserable because of that. Because there's always going to be all kinds of faults and ideas and opinions and, and misunderstandings and people reading things in. And, and uh, sometimes uh, they actually get it right about you. And they're still grieved. Sometimes unjustly, but sometimes justly. <laughs> well, sometimes we drop the ball, don't we? Sometimes we bring it on ourselves. But there again, I'm glad God lets us rise above that. You're going to have to rise above that. You're just going to have to commit your way to the Lord and live to the audience of one and say, Lord, I'm going to rejoice in you. I hope others will join me in rejoicing in you. And I hope uh, others will rejoice in, in what you put in my heart to do for you. But if they do, that's wonderful. If they don't, that doesn't limit me. That doesn't define me. It's not going to cause me to hesitate and step back and say, well, maybe we won't do these things. Because I don't want anyone disappointed. I don't want anyone to misunderstand. I don't want anyone to be just kind of upset. See, there are people like that, and they go nowhere for the Lord as long as they can, they think, get others' approval or acceptance, then that's what they're living for. And you know what Paul said about that? If I seek to please men, I cannot be the servant of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to please someone in my life, I'm going to please the Lord. And if that pleases others, wonderful. But if it don't, I mean, hey, what can I say? I'm going to please the Lord. I'm going to honor God with my life. And so there's a joy that comes out of that. See, you, you think, well, all these things have got to line up and then I'll rejoice. No, you rejoice in the Lord. You're like, well, if God would bless me, I'd really rejoice. I wonder how God would bless us if we would rejoice because of who He is. The blessings come and go, but the blesser remains. So oftentimes we have it backward. His ways are higher than our ways. They're not our ways. <laughs> And uh, as we think about that, we just need understanding from the Lord and God to quicken us. And uh, so many things could be said here. But just let's touch into chapter 9 briefly and notice the effect. Two days after this assembly, they were praying and fasting in verse 1. And then in verse 2, the Bible says, And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day, about three hours, and another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Then stood upon the stairs of the Levites. And it gives these ones here, and they cried with a loud voice and and uh, I thought that was interesting there because this is probably the stairs, the steps leading up to the platform that actually where the pulpit of wood was, where the Word of God was read from. And I thought, how fitting this is here to have an altar. <laughs> These steps. People came up on the steps. And this is where they humbled themselves before God and they confessed 
their sins and that of their fathers, the challenge of the nation in the eyes of God to make sure that they had humbled themselves and truly repented and allowed God to deal with them deeply and thoroughly. As you think about this, you can study this chapter and see how the different themes unfold. Their rebellion in the promised land and God's judgment upon them, verses 26 through 31. And then an entreaty for God to look upon their present affliction and deliver them, verse 32 through 37. It's amazing. They went back and rehearsed their heritage, their history, and what God had done in their lives. I'll tell you, when we really get right with God, if there's a revival that takes place in our heart, there's some things that you see here is going to happen. See, when the Word of God was read, they wept. They were touched. They were tendered. They were humbled. They had a heart for God and immediately a heart for each other. There was a joy that came out of that. But then as God continued to deal with them, there was this response before the Lord. They connected with their heritage. They rehearsed the faithfulness of God. They were just honest with the Lord and each other that, hey, here's how good you were, Lord, <laughs> and at times here's how bad we were. I mean, this is how faithful you were even when we were unfaithful. I think of how God heard their cry in Egyptian bondage. Not only their cries, but even the Bible says there in the book of Exodus, He heard their sighs, <laughs> their how much longer? God had given them a promise that he would deliver them. And they waited and waited under that cruel bondage. God heard that. God was faithful. God raised up a deliverer. Isn't that amazing? As you think about all the things that God did and how God even parted the Red Sea and they came to Kadesh Barnea and there they were about to go into the land of promise but they hesitated. Now I want you to hear this tonight. This may be where some are and if we're not careful as a church we could come this far and God could bless us and we could say, oh isn't this wonderful? And we could just think it's just going to happen whether we pray and obey and serve still and follow the Lord still. Oh no, friend, be careful. All that God had done, my goodness, there's no way. I don't know what God's going to bring you to, but God may bring you to a place to where you're like, I follow the Lord. He's been faithful. He's done many wonderful things in my life. But wait, I mean, this right here, I mean, I just don't know about this. Hey, be careful hesitating. Be careful just saying, well, I mean, the, the, the giants of, of, of what it's going to take, what it's going to cost, or, or the effort that I'll have to put forth, or, or all the different challenges that I might face that I don't even know of. If you're not careful, you'll hesitate and talk yourself out of doing God's will. There are going to be mountains. They're going to be giants. There's going to be things that you're no match for. You're really not. But what you're no match for, your God is. You've got to keep that in mind. When God called me to preach and led me off to Bible college, now think about it, I was a, a young man growing up in a broken home, and you've heard the testimony 
And so I worked since I was 12. Everything I got, I had to buy. No one else was buying it for me. I had to pay for everything, every living expense. I was telling somebody today, my first car was sitting on cement blocks. A 1970 Ford Galaxy, four-door. Burnt rust was the actual color. Probably rusted too, but anyway, it just blended in. That was, a, that was the only good of my first car. My dad, in essence, said, you've been looking for a car. Here it is. I can still see it now sitting back behind one of our relatives' houses off to the side. We walked around, and I'm thinking, you know, my first car, and, I, and there it is sitting on cement blocks, no tires at all. And my dad is like, this is it. And honestly, I'm like, okay. Well, I can see that it needs tires. Will it run? No. Uh, you'll have to get it to the shop somehow. I still don't remember how we got it there. But it cost me $250 for the car, $500 to get it running. Now, back in the day, that's a lot of money in the mid-1970s. That's a lot of money now, but I mean, come on. You know, to a teenage boy looking for his first car, I think back on those days, and I think of all the wonderful lessons that I learned and how I learned to appreciate things and take good care of things and make the most of what I had. But I always thought, hey, whatever the challenge is, let, let's just roll up our sleeves and go after it. I think when we look at the Lord's work, there's a lot of things that are bigger than us. It's back in the day, not just for my first car, but I learned. I could trust God with, with college because here I was going to UNCC. I was going to uh, go up there on a scholarship and whatever difference I may have needed, a Pell Grant would have made up any difference. It was a Cone Colbert Merit Scholarship there back in the day. And man, can you imagine? I was going to go up there without cost and coming out of my background. You see what I'm saying? I, I wasn't thinking about paying for college. God saves me, calls me to preach, and then I'm, here I'm going off to Bible college, and I'm like, what? I didn't even know there was such thing as Bible colleges. I really didn't. And here I was going to have to pay my own way. What am I going to do? All I know is this, is I believe then, and I still believe it tonight, where God guides, He provides. How many of you have lived that? You've lived it in your own life. You've seen that. God has made a way. I'm telling you, even at times when there was no way, I exhausted every option I had. I did all that I could do. And still I came up short. But God in heaven stepped in on my behalf and made up the difference. That's what he did for his people time and again. But they came to a point to where they, they, they doubted that and missed it. It's like, what? Why would you do that? Think about how good God has been to you and how many needs he's met or prayers he has answered. He's the same God tonight. You say, but that was, those were smaller challenges. Listen, do you think any challenge is big to God? What's big to us is nothing to Him. That's what the king of Judah said, Lord, it is nothing for you to deliver. With those who are great or those who are small, you can do it with a great host or even just a handful. Lord, it's nothing to you. And the Bible says nothing is too hard for our God. All things are possible. Wow, there's a God in heaven, if we'll trust Him, who longs to show Himself strong on our behalf. 
It was long to do that, but as they rehearsed their history, it was just so tender to me. And so oftentimes they would harden their necks as we read in verse 16. They would just uh, hesitate on the Lord. I want to tell you tonight, whatever God leads you or leads this church to do, we better not hesitate. Pray, fast, seek the mind of God, get the mind of God. When you have the mind of God, go with it. Rebecca and I were talking about some things. Well, how do you plan this? How do you plan that? Well, we'll pray and seek the Lord. And when we get the mind of God, if we know it's the mind of God, we just go for it. Yeah, there's a practical side of it. That, that all has its place. But I'll tell you what, we'll do everything we can, but what we can't do, our God can. And we've seen Him do it time and again, have we not? But we're living today to where it seems like we want to hesitate, we want to back up. And it's like, I don't know, I don't know. What about, listen, let's pray, let's get the mind of God. There's been said, and many of us have heard it through the years, there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And I understand that. But do you know what that line is? That line is the will of God. What is the will of God? Because if it's not the will of God, it could be a very foolish decision. But if it is the will of God, God will make a way. God will bless us and honor us as we honor Him. But I just come back to this and want to close tonight with these thoughts here in verse 2. They separated themselves. See the effect of God's Word? They didn't want to just live in a haphazard, slipshod type way when it came to their walk with God. They didn't want to have close, intimate associations with those who didn't have a heart for God. If someone wasn't a friend of God, they could be friendly toward them, but they weren't going to make them their close, intimate friends. How can two walk together except they be agreed? If you've got someone going away from God, why would you cast your lot, as it were, spend your time and let that kind of spirit or that person influence you when they're going away from God and you want to go toward God. See, they separated themselves unto God and with each other so they could encourage one another. They were not isolated in that sense, but they saw the wisdom and the value of being separated unto God. I want to make sure that I walk with wise men. For the Bible promises that if I will, I'll be wise. If I walk with those who are walking with God, then that will encourage my walk with God. But if I walk with those who are walking away from God, where's that going to leave me? Normally, I'll be influenced by them more than the Lord. It's amazing if I had some uh, dirty water here and some clean water here and I poured some uh, clean water into the dirty water it wouldn't make it clean, would it? It'd still be dirty. But if I took the dirty water and poured it into the clean water, the dirty water would make it, the clean water, dirty. Right? We've got to be careful about our influences. Those who we allow to have our ear, because ultimately, if we're not careful, we'll end up giving them our heart. You know, your close friendships are important. 
not only who you give your ear to, you're prone to give your heart to, but who you tell your heart to, you're prone to give your heart to. That's what Samson learned, you see? So we have to be discerning there. They separated themselves from all strangers, those, were, those who didn't know the Lord. And they stood and confessed their sins. Do you confess your sins each day? If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess simply means to agree. Lord, you said this is wrong, and I agree with you. It is wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have done that, Lord. It's wrong. It's a sin. Would you forgive me? Would you help me, Lord? God hears that humbled heart before him. See, this is the effect of God's Word. This is one reason why we need to stay in church, to be honest with you. We need to be in God's Word every day, but we need to be in church because, see, the Word of God is being taught, is being read, is being proclaimed, and God's Word can speak to us and say, you know what, i got to stop that. It's not right for me to act this way or talk like this or to treat others this way. It's not right for me to just have this attitude in my heart. That's wrong, Lord. And you've opened my eyes to that. Would you forgive me? And Lord, would you help me? I want to leave here tonight right with you, Lord. Isn't that wonderful? You can be set free from an attitude, a spirit, uh, just some kind of uh, indictment in your heart toward another, some resentment. All of that ultimately will drown your life, not theirs. Oh, that's the way bitterness works. The one who gets bitter ends up poisoning their own soul far more than their attitude towards someone else that they're bitter against. We've got to be so careful. They stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They admitted the faults, the failures along the way. But then also, when you admit that, you have to admit how merciful and gracious and forgiving your God has been. And the Bible says, they stood up in their place, back in verse 3, and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God. See, this is, they're still reading God's Word here. This is the effect of it. They confessed a fourth part of the day, but they also did what? Worship. Do you see that? That's the effect of God's Word in our lives. Getting things right with God and others so that we can worship God again. We can sing these songs freely. We can honor the Lord. We can praise Him. We can have that joy of the Lord in our lives. I want to have that, don't you? I was telling the children and family altar the other night, the first time I ever met Bobby Leonard, it was on an exit on I-85 at New Hope Baptist Church there in Salisbury. He brought Rebecca back. She had gone home for the weekend. He brought her back to meet me there where my home church was, right there on the exit. And then she would ride with me back to college up in Winston-Salem. And I'll never forget, I can still see him in my mind, walking around the back of his car with his hand out. Hello, Tim, how you doing? And some of you know that's just like him, isn't that right? You know, Hello, Tim, I can still see it and I can still hear it right now. How you doing? How you? And I just stood there, you know, like, yes, sir. I mean, I know whether to salute or shake his hand or what, you know. 
And, uh, and I shook his hand. I said, I'm doing good. You know, it's good to meet you. You know, Rebecca's told us all about you and how wonderful you are and, and how much she loves you and thinks the world of you. And she can't believe how God's blessed you. Anything else you said? I think it was much more than that. But I'm trying to remember it all. And uh, he said, she's told us all about you. And, uh, and I'll never forget the thing that I remembered about him in that moment. I've seen in, in him all these years is a joy in serving Jesus. I wonder, do others see Jesus in us? Now, I, we have our troubles. I'm getting to the point of life where, you know, I understand and appreciate more when I say we all have our aches and pains. Right? I'm telling you, we can mope and go on through life and we can have a woe is me type spirit or we can have an attitude that says, wow, wow is me. Wow, that God would save me, that God would forgive me, that God would be faithful to me, though I failed him, though I've stumbled, though I've struggled, though I, I have fallen, God let me get back up time and again. And sometimes I thought, here I am just, Lord, struggling so, and then it would speak to my heart in a church service, or in a revival meeting, or in my personal Bible time, and it quickened me, and I'd say, Lord, you're still with me. I'm glad that you're faithful. And then I'd just humble myself before the Lord, get back in there, have a heart to serve the Lord and serve others. I'd have a heart to honor Him. I'd have a heart to just draw closer to Him and be closer with those who want to be close to the Lord. As I stayed in his word, oh, how I worshiped and praised him for who he is and what he's done in my life. He's a wonderful Savior, isn't he? Oh, I highly recommend the Lord Jesus Christ to you. The old timers we hear about, read about these books and the depth, Jesus was real to them. It wasn't religion. It wasn't some kind of outward form. It was an inward reality. Jesus Christ died for sinners of who I am chief, Paul said. Other preachers who were even used mightily of God, that's what they'd say about themselves. I'm nothing, but he's everything. Charles Spurgeon said, I am a great sinner, but Jesus is a great Savior. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.